Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia dean Today is Tuesday, December 27th. Coming up, we'll take a look at the biggest health stories of the year. But first, some headlines. Canadian oil company TC Energy says it'll soon start pumping oil through Kansas again, even as it continues cleanup from its biggest ever spill earlier this month. Celia Yopis Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. The three-foot-wide and nearly 300-mile-long section of the Keystone Pipeline that runs from Nebraska through Kansas to Oklahoma could restart in a matter of days. The U.S. Department of Transportation has given approval. TC Energy says inspections and preparations are ongoing. It's still not clear what caused the Keystone's biggest spill ever on December 7th in north-central Kansas. Nearly 600,000 gallons of oil spilled. A third-party investigation could take up to three months. Democratic Kansas Governor Laura Kelly is calling to completely eliminate the state's sales tax on groceries in April. The state is currently on track to gradually phase out the tax by 2025. Kelly says eliminating it now would help Kansans amid rising grocery prices. But the Republican-controlled legislature will need to sign off, and lawmakers so far have not expressed interest. Brian Walker is president and CEO of the Kansas Food Bank. Makes sense to us now to, to cut the whole thing and really provide the relief that this bill was meant to provide to folks. The food sales tax is set for its first gradual decrease from 6.5% to 4% on January 1st. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. This week, we're looking back at some of the biggest news stories of the year. First up, health. The COVID-19 pandemic continued to make headlines, and so did two other respiratory illnesses, the flu and RSV. And on top of that, the American healthcare system struggled to find enough staff to take care of everyone who got sick. KCUR's Noah Taborda and Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service covered all of that and more. Here's our health reporter's thoughts on the biggest health stories of 2022. So abortion made a lot of news across the U.S. this year. Rose, you reported on that a lot. What is the status of abortion in Kansas and Missouri right now? Yeah, so abortion remains legal in Kansas um, because of a vote in August where voters rejected a proposed amendment to the state constitution that could have led to an abortion ban. And that was by a pretty wide margin, nearly 60-40. But abortion is still tightly regulated in Kansas. So there are a lot of restrictions like a ban after 22 weeks. Um, Before you get an abortion, you have to sit through state-mandated counseling, followed by a 24-hour waiting period, and minors have to get parental consent or a judicial bypass before they can get an abortion. And then there are some other access issues. You know, even though it's still legal, that doesn't mean it's easy to access in Kansas. And one of the big reasons is that there are just so many people from out of state heading to Kansas clinics 
after Roe because of restrictions and bans in their own states. Noah, you covered abortion in Missouri, right? Yes. Rose mentioned um, how a lot of the folks in Kansas are coming from out of state. And I think a, a major factor in that is the trigger ban that the Missouri General Assembly passed in 2019 and that went into effect uh, when Roe v. Wade was overturned. This law basically outlaws abortion except for in medical emergencies uh, and when necessary to save the life of a mother. The law makes no exception for rape or for incest. And doctors, nurses, hospitals, you know, healthcare workers across the board have expressed a lot of concerns about the vagueness of the law, exactly what medical issues would qualify under this exemption, uh, and potentially the impact on contraception. While there is no impact on contraception yet, and Missourians still have access to birth control and Plan B, uh, experts have warned that overturning the decision could eventually have ramifications for the availability of emergency contraceptions in Missouri as well. So it's kind of a a state of limbo, I think, a little bit uh, as as we go forward. People are kind of feeling out what is, uh, is acceptable under this new law. So, Noah, you've also reported on the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, plus a rise in other respiratory illnesses. So what do hospitals look like now in the third year of the pandemic? And how does that compare to earlier this year? Right. So uh, hospitals are at capacity right now with uh, fighting the so-called triple-demic, as it's being referred to, you know, COVID-19, the flu, and respiratory syncytial virus, or as it's being commonly called, RSV. This year, there was an RSV cases earlier in the year than we often see the spike. Usually, you see it in October and November. This year, it picked up in August. And I think that caught uh, healthcare workers off guard in in a point where they're already Uh, packed with COVID-19 coming off a summer that had a significant spike in June. And COVID-19 appears to be on the rise again, particularly in the wake of Thanksgiving travel. Uh, Many hospitals were already packed before that. According to the Mid-America Regional Council, we're looking at 82% of all area hospital beds already occupied. Uh, As far as how this compares to earlier this year, um, I think that it's been packed for most of the year, but this feels this crunch feels particularly pressing just because of the confluence of these three viruses and uh, amid workforce shortages that don't seem to be improving. This year, we didn't see that many COVID-19 restrictions locally. How did that affect the pandemic here? Yeah, I think that it definitely made it so there's probably a, a, a lot more cases floating out there. But I think one thing that's certainly changed is the approach to testing. I think that we've seen a lot less public testing from public health departments. And as a result, we have a much looser hold, I think, over how many cases are really out there. Uh, You know, with home testing, not as many people are reporting. And as a result, you know, you might have people who are testing positive or not testing at all that are walking around out there and, and potentially infecting others. So, Rose, how did the pandemic affect the healthcare workforce? I think the pandemic kind of exacerbated a lot of longstanding um, issues with the healthcare workforce and staffing shortages. One place where I've been reporting that that's showing up is nursing homes. So, you know, during the pandemic, nursing homes who already had some challenges hiring people to kind of do these pretty difficult jobs, um, those nursing homes struggled even more to hire the workers that they need. And many started relying more on temporary staffing agencies to fill these huge gaps on their staff. And there's a tension there because it costs a lot more for those nursing homes to hire temporary workers 
um, from a staffing agency than it would to hire a full-time staff person. And the rates for agency workers increased sharply during the pandemic, prompting allegations of price gouging from nursing home operators who have been asking lawmakers to further regulate those agencies. Um, That's a problem kind of across the healthcare field too. A lot of hospitals, clinics are relying more on temporary staffing agencies to fill their ranks. Um, But, you know, I've spoken with a lot of current and former nursing home workers who say the staffing crisis is driven by low pay and really difficult working conditions that have caused some of them to quit their jobs, leave the industry entirely, or some have gone to go work for those agencies where they can make significantly more money. Um, Others, you know, looking at this shortage of workers point to the state's demographics. Um, You know, by 2036, the number of Kansans aged 65 and older is projected to grow by more than 40%. Um, And I can just mention this is an issue across a lot of different fields in healthcare. Mental health is another area where there's a shortage of workers. Um, one recent report by Mental Health America found that Kansas was in last place in the country on key measures of mental health. And one big reason was a shortage of mental health care providers. And Missouri also fared poorly on that report. It was ranked 40th among the 50 states in D.C. Just to tack on to that, I think that uh, the conversations I've had particularly are with hospital staff. And, you know, in addition to some of the reasons that Rose listed, you know, I think people have grown tired of, of being villainized, healthcare workers in particular, uh, as people have grown tired with those restrictions. Uh, I think there's a lot of anger that's been directed toward them. And, and after three years uh, in, in talking with folks, it's mentally draining. Um, you know, you come up to the holidays where a lot of folks are, are out with family and uh, due to this work for a shortage, a lot of people are having to take on a lot of extra hours, uh, extra shifts. You know, we've seen that it's not only the healthcare workers in hospitals, but staff at childcare facilities, uh, you know, are struggling to to properly have enough folks there to take care of children. And, and according to Advent Health, for example, uh, there are areas of shortage that include nursing, respiratory, anesthesia. Uh, radiology, technology, it's across the board. Uh, And for those who stuck around, you know, it's a big sacrifice that they're making. So Medicaid expansion continued to be an issue in both Missouri and Kansas. Noah, how did Missouri's rollout of Medicaid expansion go? I think the best way to describe the rollout is slow and rocky. Uh, You can look at Oklahoma, another state that had a newly expanded program around the same time and compare it with Missouri. Uh, Oklahoma enrolled 210,000 people coming into 2022, while Missouri enrolled fewer than 20,000. So we're seeing long wait times, and that meant delaying needed care, foregoing purchasing necessary prescriptions. Uh, At its worst, it peaked at 115 days to process applications. Now, to put that into perspective, uh, the federal requirement is to process applications in 45 days, and many states process these applications in under a week. So we are looking at, you know, 10, 15 times what uh, other states are processing in. Uh, In October, the state announced it was under the federal requirement. They were processing in about 41 days, and that number has continued to drop, which is promising. Rose, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly promised to expand Medicaid when she was elected in 2018. What is the status of that? Yeah, so Governor Kelly has repeatedly tried to expand Medicaid. 
Um, so far, those attempts have been unsuccessful because of opposition by the state's Republican-controlled legislature. You know, so for instance, earlier this year, she proposed legislation that would have expanded Medicaid. She also included it in her proposed budget for the fiscal year 2023. But both of those attempts failed, as did previous attempts in previous years. But, you know, Medicaid expansion was one of the issues that she ran on in her campaign for a second term as governor. But there are a lot of big questions about whether she'll actually be able to accomplish it. You know, Republicans preserved their supermajorities in both the state House and Senate, which means they have a lot of power to block or push through legislation. I will say one interesting piece of census data that we got recently is that 2021 was the first year that Kansans were significantly less likely to have health insurance than the U.S. population as a whole. And that's notable because for years, Kansas was outperforming the country on health insurance rates. And experts say one of the big reasons is the state's failure to expand Medicaid. That was Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service and KCUR's Noah Taborda. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byred Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Tomorrow, we'll review the biggest environment and climate stories of 2022. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.